Welcome to the Lessons Learned from Donald Trump podcast. This thing is huge. It's the greatest, most outrageous, incredibly fun podcast on the internet today. It's all about the Donald, the most spectacular entrepreneur alive today. For entrepreneurs who also want to dominate their market and destroy their competition. I'm Steve Cypress, here with my co-host, Everett Farnell. Welcome back to another episode of the Lessons Learned from Donald Trump Podcast. Steve Cypress here, along with, believe me, my excellent, huge co-host, Everett Farnell. Well, thank you, Steve. Uh, uh, although uh, I'm trying to be not not quite as huge. I have I have lost 50 pounds in the last six months or so. Well, so I mean, wait aside, my huge. friend. You are a terrific person, <laughs> believe me. Believe me. Well, thank you. Thank you so much. And, and you are a, a, an amazing marketing uh, uh, marketing genius to small business owners and and uh, it's it's stunning the results that you get from it like no, I would I would reply with my normal some kind of a humble reply but since this is the lessons learned from Donald Trump podcast <laughs> I will just say of course I am I'm incredible I'm the greatest ever okay. <laughs> so let's turn to this week's episode which is kind of along those lines. We're going to talk about thinking big. And, you know, I had a mentor tell me, of course, he didn't make it up. I've, I don't know who the quote is attributed to, but there's a famous quote or a saying or whatever, like, you got to think anyway. You might as well think big. In fact, I think Absolutely. I saw that on an interview with Ivanka Trump was saying, that's what our dad always said to us. You know, you got you to gotta think anyway. You might as well think big. You got to do something anyway. We'll do something big. And so clearly, sure. clearly. This permeates the entire life of Donald Trump, but so we can we don't have to talk too much about how Trump obviously thinks big. I mean, I can say it real succinctly: the first political office he ever ran for to stumble and bumble and make more mistakes than any major political candidate has of all time. He didn't run for like community organizer or Congress or mayor of anything or senator or any, you know. Let's go, president. That's it. Thinking big. Let's go right to the top. So. Clearly, it's obvious Trump thinks big. How does this relate to a small business owner? Well, I think the, uh, the biggest way it relates to a small business owner is that they have got to uh, – the, the most successful small business owners always have in their mind um, expansion opportunity. In other words, whether they ever do it or not, small business owners have got to be thinking about how can I turn this into a – 250 location franchise business or how can I open 50 more offices in my state how can I you know expand the locations how can I go from a small business uh, you know a small a small mechanic shop to a huge franchise all over the country you know uh, the, the next Amco uh, what what can I you know that that having that idea having that thought process underlie what you do even if you never do it will increase the value and increase the money from your business because in order to do that, in order to, th- to, to work on that level, to constantly be thinking about that level, you have got to work, uh, you've got to build your business the right way. You can't build your business where you're running around putting out all the fires and doing everything and still be thinking about how can I open up 50 locations because you can't run around and put out all the fires and do everything in 50 locations. So if you keep that underlying even if you don't have a desire to do it. And by the way, I generally think that when people start to build their business and they build it the right way and they put the systems in place and they realize that that's a realistic possibility, that they could open more locations and could make more money from it and could expand, uh, uh, expand their, uh, uh, their business and their financial abundance, I, I tend to think that they want to. They say they don't want to because they don't believe it's possible. So don't worry about 
setting that as a goal, but keep it in mind. Keep your keep your thinking big. Keep it huge. Keep it you know massive, so that when you're structuring your business, when you're putting it in place, you're not just trying to build a business that's unsaleable and that you that 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 is your job. Does that make sense? Well, it makes so much sense that everyone who's listening, who's familiar with Michael Gerber and the Emit, is nodding their head and going, "Yeah, that's Michael Gerber." The whole premise is, yeah. like Everett says, whether or not you ever are actually going to open a second, third, fourth, fifth location or branch internationally or whatever, it that needs that that ought to be your thinking. See, I call myself. I never tell entrepreneurs what they need to do, but in my opinion, it's what you should do, and therefore that translates to need without saying the word need. Right. So you really, we all ought to be thinking big right out of the gates with Michael Gerber and the E-Myth and whatever it just talked about is think as if that's what you're doing when you start your little plumbing business, your one-man show heating and air, whatever you're doing, like think of it as, yes, but I'm going to, you know, hire 10 other guys and therefore spread out all throughout the state and open up into the next one, whatever. So I'm going to put systems in place. I'm going to put checklists out. I'm going to standardize things. And that way you're actually running a business instead of the dreaded just bought yourself a crappy job. Because when it comes right right down to it, unfortunately it pains me, but the overwhelming number of business owners really simply have a really crummy job. I mean, I've been there over and over and over to put up with it in startup mode, but unfortunately if you don't start up right, which I have done sometimes, like and things don't pop, you end up staying in that mode and that's not where you want to be, working long hours, putting all your money into it, all your time into it, being overstressed and not reaping the rewards. I remember my first multi-million dollar company feeling that kind of anxiety over when my employees would come to me. That's when it first hit me. They came to me and said, can you sign this? Can you, can you, uh, you know, be a reference on buying a new car or um, taking my, you know, can I get a week off? I'm taking my girlfriend on a vacation to some exotic place for a week. And I'm like, holy crap, you know, I don't drive a new car. I haven't been on a vacation <laughs> in three years. I put every second and every penny back into this business, but my employees are living a better life than me. Now, of course, the news is I'm building equity. But like I said, if you don't, if you don't build up equity and you have something sellable and you have something that that's worth it, you look back over all the time and you go, man, I overworked myself, underpaid myself, I basically had a crappy job. And I see way right. too many business owners do that. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely too many of them do it. And the, oh, I was going to say something and I lost it because I got engrossed in what you were saying. Cause it's, uh, well, i got to uh, tell you, know, you not only so too many do it, but it, it pains me because I love small business owners. And I've, I've run over 300 events for small business owners, and I've met thousands of them over the years, and that's just so, so common. They come to me and, you know, okay, so they're paying the bills uh, once in a while and needing some credit card debt or, you know, hope something or whatever. But, you know, for the most part, people that work jobs get six weeks vacation or four weeks vacation, and they actually take it. You know, an entrepreneur, like to me, vacation to me is when I'm speaking at an event, and it's a three-day event, I will book seven days in a, uh, you know, a, a vacation, a week vacation stay place or a hotel for the seven days, and I'll take my beautiful wife, Michelle. So now I have one extra airfare and a few extra nights, but those for those seven days, Michelle's going around and enjoying herself, and I almost always have clients or friends in whatever town it is, and she's hanging out by the pool or whatever, going shopping. And then once the event's over, for four days, I'm there, and we're now get to go play golf. Now we're doing stuff and whatever. That's pretty much my vacations. I mean, it's and not to mention, of course, as anyone knows who's attended or spoken at events, the day or two after the event, 
I'm following up and I'm having lunch and breakfast with the other speakers or potential clients or clients that were attending the event or I met there. I'm following up with emails and social media contact with the people and I'm, I'm kind of working pretty much the whole time. And my beautiful wife, Michelle, always understands. I'm like, honey, you understand that like during the day I'll play golf, we'll go have lunch, we'll do sightseeing, whatever. But you know, at night I'm turning on the computer and I got to follow up with all these people. Otherwise, why was I speaking? Why was I attending this event? So that's not really a vacation. You know, so as well, a business owner, often we do that. We don't take a vacation. We take a staycation, right? Oh, I'm on vacation <laughs> this week. I'm cleaning out my honey-do list. And, you know, right, because you're always working too many hours. And, and you know, what do you do on Sundays? Well, I'm, I'm doing my, my payroll and I'm doing the books. And, I'm, you know, going over absolutely. my goals for the next week and my planner and my, you know, People who work jobs don't do that. They crack open a beer at 5 p.m. on Friday, and they somehow stumble back into work on Monday morning. Yeah, well, from, so from Friday. we treat ourselves not nearly as well as, as we treat employees. Now, I know plenty of employees for companies. You know, I was in the corporate world for a very short time, and I was a, a small business uh, consultant with a Yellow Page company. And, you know, I know pe- a lot of people in that world. They can make really good money. They have lots of great benefits. There are company trips, so there are cell phones and company laptops and good pay and health care and all the kind of stuff. But we do it because we don't want to work for anybody. We want to be our own boss. Problem is, we right. a lot of times, if we're not thinking big, we can be a pretty crummy boss to ourselves. Well, I was going to say, it's like that, uh, that like like our mutual mentor um, once uh, has said, you know, the, the good news is that you're in business for yourself. The bad news is that you got a really shitty employee, you know, <laughs> and a really, really shitty boss. Um, yeah, that, and, that, yeah, and I, I, I mean, very often have a, it, you know, people don't build a business. They build a job, which well, now a lot of people want that. I mean, really, the, the, the plumber that's been with Joe's Plumbing for 20 years and finally gets fed up with what a Jamoke Joe is, or Joe does have 10 guys out here, and he does have two different locations full of, uh, you know, uh, supplies and materials, and he's out in his boat all the time, and, he's, and here I am out there slugging through crap up to my neck and, and fixing disgusting bathroom leaks and whatever, like, I want to go do that. So for whatever reason, people want to go start their own business, but then most settle into, as long as I don't have to work for Joe ever again, I'm okay with not making a lot of money, working too long hours, not having a lot of stress, but at least I don't work for somebody. And that's just a shame because, especially if you have employees, like I said, you're still paying employees, you're paying suppliers, you're paying all your bills and your overhead. You're doing good work for your community. You're doing good for health, like worse than employees are at really bad jobs. Absolutely. Well, and and one other thing, I just want to uh, I just want to touch on about thinking big. There, it is possible. There are business. There are companies that just will never grow beyond a certain point. And uh, uh, you know, the, the the opportunity just isn't there, right? I mean, there there are some situations where that's the case. Um, in those really? situations, like wait a minute, yes. name one. Uh, a business that uh, uh, that it just becomes difficult to scale beyond a certain point. Um, yeah, but okay, and, but all I'm saying, I mean okay. that particular business because of that. But there's in every industry. I was going to be surprised if you could name one. In every industry that I've ever, there is somebody who has multiple locations, systems in place, hardly works, automates everything, makes a ton of money, and even sells it for a ton of money. Sure, sure, and and I'm not. Doesn't matter if you're that's... a dog walker or a babysitter. There are people that that systematize this stuff and make a lot of money. The the my the point that I was going to make is that the skills that you're 
using is that if you develop the skills to take something big, if you develop the skills of putting systems in place, if you develop the skills to allow you to scale, then you can uh, uh, you can leverage those skills. So, for example, here's here's a perfect example. And in my business, copywriting. Now, you can make several million dollars copywriting, and you can put marketing systems in place to bring clients to you. And I mean, you, I, I'm not telling you that that you can't, uh, uh, you know, that you can't make a lot of money doing it. But scaling it becomes a real, you know, it becomes a real trick because I mean, even the best guys in the industry cap out at a certain point. You can you can make a few million a year, uh, which it, look, that's nothing to sneeze at. I'm not saying that's a small amount. But if we're thinking big, like Trump thinks big, it's Trump change, right? So you know, there's anything that requires your uh, 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 your individual effort, your individual intellectual property to do becomes very difficult to scale. Now, there's some things that you can do. You can hire junior copywriters. You can create a copywriting agency. So there are some things that you can do to expand it, but copywriting is a good example of something that's difficult to scale. However, take the skills that you learn writing copy and apply them to something else, and now you can, you can scale that tremendously, which, as you know, I'm, I'm uh, in the middle of doing on several Well, things. okay, uh, but see, that's why I was asking you to name something because I'm going to push back on that. I mean, uh, mm -hmm. someone I think you know also, a friend of mine, Joe Sugarman, is one of the top copywriters, direct response copywriters of all time, Absolutely. and he built himself a fantastic life. I remember Joe telling me when he saw a vacation, he was living in Chicago, and he's from Chicago where I was living, and when he wanted a certain vacation property that was, uh, I forget, Wisconsin, Michigan, I think it was up in Wisconsin, he wanted a vacation property to go with his family, he said, yeah, the heck with that, I'm not paying for that. I'm going to start a coaching group, and I'm going to coach people on how to do what I do and just teach them what I do. They'll pay, pay me for that. We'll hold the meetings at that property, and therefore the company will buy it, and then he and his family could stay on the second floor. And so right. he never paid for the whole beautiful rental property. And I remember he, 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 told, he was on an island, and then I remember reading about this in one of his books, so I think he talked about it in one of his books too, but it was on an island, I think, and so the people would... You know, he'd, he'd re recommend a hotel they stay in, and then there was a ferry they had to take to come to his beautiful, incredible retreat, which he did not pay for, which i got to tell you, it was a thought going through our mind with my beautiful wife, Michelle, when we moved from Chicago to here in beautiful, way too sunny Scottsdale, Arizona, was, wait a minute, why don't we get one of these places that's big enough that I can have my results group come on over and hang out, and therefore the corporation can buy the place and then lease it to us, and we'll be renting it. And for tax purposes and bottom line purposes, the, the, the coaching group, the members coming here to meet, would be paying for the house. Absolutely. Well, there's, there's no doubt about it that that's... Well, so that's even a, a... All I'm saying is, so, but okay, that, so that whole story, I forget, it's not about the house. It's about the fact that once he was good at something, sure, a copywriter has to write, but he can, like you said, junior copy, but he can teach people. So I know other right. people that have their copywriting courses, and they sell them for two grand, or they have a seminar for five grand a piece, or whatever. They make multiple people in the room for five grand a piece and teach them something, and then go back into their cave and write again. But, you know, anyone right. well, can and not only that, they, they know and leverage it. The people kind who of, pay uh, them Kind of how uh, Donald Trump went to The Apprentice. You know, he went from 
being a successful business person to being an example on national TV of a successful business person, and that just made him a ton of money. Right. Absolutely. There's no and and here's the thing with um, here's the thing, but I do I do want to point out something with uh, with Joe Sugarman though. Um, Joe Joe made his money writing copy for product that way. I mean, in other words, he was in a business that was ultimately scalable, a product business where he was selling stuff from his catalog, and then of course well, that's another authors. good point. He was writing yeah, copy so for himself. For himself, which is a scalable skill. That's what I'm saying is that, is that if you want to be a freelance copywriter, you can only go so far. You can then leverage that skill with, as you may say, coaching groups and educational seminars, which, by the way, will feed your, your practice. But then you can also leverage that skill by writing copy for your own products and services, which is what Joe did. And Joe is, is a man well, who Well, I like it, and that's, that's also what you did, uh, yeah. which is why, you know, a couple of months ago, you weren't on for a few episodes because you were starting up this new thing where you partnered. You know, you, you used to, you've done many things. We had a very successful roofing company, and you, mm-hmm. you, you partnered with a roofer in your area, and you said, I'll do all the sales and marketing and bring you all the jobs you could ever handle. You just got to do them. You got to hire the guys, you do get the, the supplies, and all that nonsense that I don't feel like doing. So you did that. You leveraged your skills by doing it basically for yourself. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. That's exactly what I'm talking about. So there's always there's always a way to leverage a skill in whatever business you're doing so that you can think bigger than uh, than you're thinking. And, well, and so let so uh, let's uh, if, if if we can draw this to a close with uh, a. a concrete suggestions how to do this so my thought is one thing first of all it starts with the mindset like you said start by thinking mm-hmm. this is not going to be one diner one little restaurant location i'm going to have 10 of these so i'm going to immediately put systems in place this is what you do when you open this is how you turn on the machines this is everything this is my hiring product then i'm going to look for ways to leverage it by anything i get good at I'm going to look to teach that and get paid to teach it. Anything that I get really good at, I'm going to look to do for my own big personal opportunity. So Trump, you know, running his family business was like, I got to take over this business. I will never, when I'm working inside my father's business, be able to get as big as I want. You know, in his particular case, his dad was like, look, don't ever leave. Brooklyn and Queens with this, uh, right. you know, low-income housing, like mid-income housing. Like, don't do that. Well, Trump must have been burning inside of him, I want to, I want to, and only when he took <laughs> over the company, he exploded it. Well, and and a couple things um, uh, uh, that I'd like to, to toss in. When you say teach what uh, teach what you good, what you get good at, what I would say is uh, just to open that up a little bit more is that replicate yourself with what you get good at. So that can be done by teaching. Um, it can also be done by franchising or licensing which is still, in essence, you're teaching. Uh, uh, you know, you're teaching other people to do what you've done and getting paid for it. But it's, uh, uh, but just so that the people listening can can understand, um, you know, it, the way that you teach is not necessarily to hold seminars for people in your business. You can teach by uh, by licensing your ideas or uh, by uh, by franchising, by becoming a franchise and having people franchise your uh, your business. Oh, well, um, I it's just a different. That. I can't believe I didn't. Uh, franchising is a big thing. I know a, a few people that because uh, I, you know, again because of my background of work. Working with so many business owners and running events for them, I get calls all the time, like from these franchise guys. Do you, you know, can you put, point me in the direction of your most successful clients and members who have a potentially scalable business? And then I was approached twice, and so I'm, and it's something I'm still mulling over. 
over franchising my event business. I have all the material to fill the rooms, how to teach it, how to promote it, how to market it, how to everything. They're like, yeah, we could franchise this. And then I was going to get paid part of the, every fee that somebody would, would pay. And then I was, but the more lucrative was I was going to get paid to actually train the people. So they were like, look, the yeah. actual people that buy the franchise, you'll get a little piece of the money. But basically what you'll get is you will get the, you know, 10000 a piece or whatever that they have to pay. And they'll come in, spend a week with you, and you'll put 10 people in a room and make a hundred grand for that week. And then you'll also profit sharing a little percentage off of all the, the franchise fees down the road and the whatever. So there was, and then, oh, and then I think the, the end game is uh, this thing gets big enough that it can be sold, and then you have an exit. You, you, you have a, a revenue event, they say, right. when you sell it, and you, you get a big payout. So those were all the different reasons to do it, and I met with a couple of them and, you know, still mulling it over, but you're right. So there's a number of ways to think big. Bottom line is you're going to be tempted, and it's much easier to give up on all that at the first sign of like, oh, this is too tough or whatever, this and that. Are you going to lose your vim and vigor and your excitement? I often ask clients and go, you, you just told me like you're just looking to survive and you're hoping to grow by 5% this year. And I'm like, come on now, let's think back to when you first started the company. Is that really the kind of way you talk to yourself? Was that, that really your goals? Did you say, you know, seven years from now, I want to be surviving? I want to be increasing by 5%? Like, you never would have started the business. So that's my, my finishing thought is think back to when you first started the company because undoubtedly you were excited and thinking this could be big and get that back into your head even though you've been beat up, certainly by the last eight years of the crappy economy and small business owners just getting crushed regulations are crazy. I spent a couple hours on the phone the other day with some new compliance issue over my credit card processing something. Ooh, ah, I got to download software. I got to call up the support, and he walked me through every question. I mean, it was just hours of wasted time. All I'm sitting there the whole time was I could have been making money, but this is the crushing regulations that, that keep crushing small business owners. So maybe your dreams and your goals got crushed. Well, the point of this episode of the Lessons Learned from Donald Trump podcast, and you see it actually brings a full circle to Trump. No matter what anyone throws at him, he doesn't get crushed. No matter what people say about the polls or the this or the that, he says, I'm doing fine. I'm doing great. We're going to win. Like, he's not getting crushed. He's still going right. for everything. So that's our lesson you can learn from Donald Trump. Any closing thoughts, Everett? No, I think that wraps it up beautifully. Let's wrap it up. That does it for this week's episode of the Lessons Learned from Donald Trump podcast. Let's join us week at the same time. Until then, believe me, have a fantastic, thinking, big, huge, terrific, fantastic, winning, better-than-ever week. Was that all one sentence again? I think that was one sentence, but that's okay. I clearly was not reading from the teleprompter, because you can tell when I read from the teleprompter, I'm so awkward, and I'm staring right at the little teleprompter, and I'm just not good at it. Uh, so clearly, when, I'm, <laughs> but when you let Cypress be Cypress, man, I can say some pretty crazy, ridiculous things and get a lot of attention, can't I? All right. You can. Well, that does it for this week's Lessons Learned from Donald Trump Podcast. Thanks for being here, folks. Talk to you again next week. You've just listened to the most terrific podcast on the Internet today. If you want to be a winner like Trump, make sure you go listen to the rest of the episodes by going to LessonsLearnedFromDonaldTrump.com. And join us next time. Unless you like being a loser. Some people do, I guess. <laughs>